have just a little bit more monitor. As I like to say, I don't only like to hear it, I like to feel it. Praise God. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. And I want to read the first few verses of Scripture there. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all your or all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. I want to look at verse 4 a little more closely. And did all drink with, that, with the same spiritual drink, for, that, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed. Everybody say followed. Followed them, and that rock was Christ. I want to preach this morning from this subject, if the Lord will help us, the rock that follows, the rock that follows. Praise the Lord. Would you lift up your hands and your voices again with me, and let's pray that the Lord would touch, minister, and work in this service today. Lord, we need your help. We need your strength. We need the anointing of your hand, the direction of the Holy Ghost. I'm praying, God, that you would guide us in this service. We want to be sensitive to you, there's folks that have needs, there's lives that need strength and help. I'm praying, God, that your word would minister to each one of their needs. And we thank you and forever praise you for it in Jesus' name. And would you clap your hands to the Lord. Praise God. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. The Apostle Paul, whom we know as the writer of 1 Corinthians, taught the Corinthian church a great deal about the history of the Jewish people. They no doubt knew some things and had uh, somewhat of an understanding by their own studies and their own observations. But Paul, being the educated, probably the most sophisticated of all of the apostles, was a very articulate individual, and he was able to connect the dots because there is certain things between cultures, if you're not from that culture, that is perhaps difficult to understand. And he was able to connect the dots uh, for those that did not have a Jewish background. And the reason why a Jewish background is so significant is because this is the people that God had favored. These were his people. These were the folks that he had determined to bless. Not that they were a perfect people. Not that they always lived and, and did as he desired them to or always were obedient to him. But these were his people. The ones that he had set apart unto him and the ones that he had chosen at this particular time to bless, and we understand uh, the importance in the Old Testament of physical Israel and how it relates to us as spiritual Israel in the New Testament. And he gave them 
special insight into his nature. And uh, they could understand things about him because of the ways that they were instructed to worship and the ways that they were instructed to live. The laws and the commitments and covenants that he made with these people all were ways for them to better understand his nature. And even now, by understanding Jewish customs and culture, and uh, maybe having a little understanding of their practices, it aids in, in us understanding the Word of God and having a little bit better grasp on the Scripture. But in so doing, the Lord, He was going to use them as an example and a pattern to other people. We know that, that uh, eventually you and I were going to have the opportunity and thank God that this is not an exclusive gospel. Thank God that uh, there was not only a certain segment or a certain culture or a certain people that has this opportunity that you and I possess this morning. I'm thankful that it doesn't matter who you are, where you came from, what your background is, that everybody has the same opportunity here this morning to find God. The Holy Ghost is not an exclusive gift. It's only given to a certain segment of people. But the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, is available to every person under the sound of my voice. And I want to extend that a little further, even though they may not realize it. It's for everybody that lives within the city limits of Texarkana. It's for everybody that lives within our county, our state, or in our case, Arkansas and Texas. It's for everybody that lives in our nation. It's for everybody that lives in this world. We know that if you repent of your sins and have faith towards God and open up your heart and yield to Him that you can have and receive this wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost. Somebody will clap their hands and thank the Lord for it this morning. But the reason why He he is giving them this instruction is so that they can understand His nature in his plans. So the Apostle Paul refers to this, and I want to call it an uncommon experience that the Israelites have in the wilderness. Uh, while they are wandering or journeying through the wilderness, this unusual and bizarre happening that took place. The reason I call it uncommon is how long has it been since you took a drink from a rock? How long has it been since you uh, had a rock that followed you as you walked uh, through life. And this was the experience of the people of God. After escaping Egypt, they were thrust into a different environment, an entirely different atmosphere. While they were in Egyptian bondage, yes, they were ruled with rigor. Yes, they were driven daily by their taskmasters as slaves. Yes, they were beaten and they were mistreated. But as far as we can tell by the reading of the Scripture, all of their basic needs were met. Uh, they had plenty of water to drink and plenty of food to eat and clothes was, was given to them. And we understand that their basic needs of life were met while they were in Egypt. But now... They began an entirely different lifestyle. 
And it's one that serves as an example to you and I. It was a lifestyle of faith and trusting in God. They were going to have to walk with God in a realm of faith that they never had to before. And trust the Lord even for their most basic needs. They understood that they would be in a wilderness and they would need food to eat. And how miraculous it was that manna would rain down from heaven as the dew. And they could gather it every morning. And so was their hunger satisfied. But they would also, in this very desert, arid climate, they would need water to drink. And the scripture says that while they were there in the wilderness, that Moses instructed by God in Numbers chapter 20, gathered the people of God around a rock. And I don't know how he was to determine exactly what rock it was to be, or perhaps that didn't matter at all. He was just to be obedient to God. But he took that rod that God had performed so much, so many wonders through and performed so many works for him through the use of that rod. And he took that rod and instructed by God, he was to smite that rock. And when he did, the scripture says a miracle transpired that water began to flow from that rock. And it not only quenched the thirst of a few, I don't know exactly the number. I've heard a lot of people pontificate on how many number of people that there were in the tribes of Israel at that point and how many people uh, were actually there when this miracle transpired. I can't tell you the exact number, but I do know that somewhere in, in, in the number of a million people were gathered around and their thirst was all satisfied, all satisfied by drinking from this rock that was smitten by Moses. I'm going to tell you that's a miraculous thing. That's an awesome thing. And that serves to you and I that no matter how bleak the situation is, no matter how difficult things may be, no matter how verse at verse our situations are, no matter what we are facing and what we're challenged with at the moment, that God is able to bring us out on top. That God is able to provide for us. That God is certainly able to help us. God is able to come through when we desperately need Him to. How many has ever been there when you needed Him to come through for you? Your back was against the wall. You felt like that all options were closed off. But you needed God to intervene. You needed God to work. You needed God to come through. And he did. Praise the Lord. I'm telling you, he's a prayer answering God. He's a God that still comes through for his people. He still works. I said he still delivers. He still gives victory. He still answers on time. He still works things out that look like impossibilities to you and I. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, I think we ought to take a few moments here and worship the Lord this morning. But as even, even as miraculous and, and great and as awesome of an experience that this was for this to happen at one time. 
the Bible says even more bizarre than that, that this rock would follow them on their journeys. And any time that they needed an answer and they needed drink and they needed water to suffice their thirst, that it was available to them. Praise God. I could, I could spend a lot of time preaching about that, that our experience in God, thankfully, is not a one-time experience. Thankfully, you don't just come and receive the Holy Ghost and get one shot at it, and that's all you get. But you can be renewed. You can be refreshed. You can be touched again. And I want to preach that you need to be touched again. You need to be renewed in the Holy Ghost. You need a fresh up-to-date experience. You need God to be restored in you all over again. And you can come back down to an altar just like you did the first time and be renewed and be refreshed in the Holy Ghost and get this experience all over again. It's not a one-time deal. It's not a one occasion and that's it. But but. God in his power is able to supply and able to give us all that we desire and all that we're hungry for. Amen. He said in the Beatitudes that blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. Filled. Amen. That's an awesome promise. As much as I'm hungry for, I can be filled. As much as I thirst for, he will supply. Amen. As much as I desire, he will give me. I've come preaching to somebody here this morning that if you desire more of God, you can receive more of God. If you desire more of his spirit to direct you and help you and strengthen you this morning, he will give you more. If you desire more of God's help, you can receive more of God's help. He's not limited in his supply. He's not going to run out here this morning. He doesn't have a place where he says, oh, all right, that's enough. Heaven's in short supply. I don't have any more. No, God is able to give you all that you're hungry for. I want to preach to this church just for a moment and tell you that he can give as much revival as we're hungry for. He can fill as many souls as we can get in these pews. Amen. He can, he can move in a way that we desire him to move and desire him to work. But he operates according to our hunger and according to our thirst. He said you will be filled. God. Why don't you turn to somebody and say the hungry is going to be filled. The hungry shall be filled. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. And I know that that's difficult for sometimes us to get our minds around a rock following them on their journey all that expanse of time and over that wilderness and through all of the terrain that they had to travel from or through. And uh, someone says, that's hard to believe. One man told a friend of mine, he said, uh, if I could prove that the Red Sea historically was not always at a high level, but many times it was very shallow and could be either waded across or walked across very easily, would you still believe all those Bible stories? And He said, well, he said, I just believe it was a bigger miracle that God could drown all those Egyptian armies in shallow water. Praise God. That's how much I believe the word of God. 
Amen. That's how solid I am on the scripture. I don't doubt it. If it says it, I believe it literally. Amen. I believe what the word of God says. And I'm just going to tell you that the experts don't always know. They don't always understand. The Bible says that that the rock or the stone that they disallowed has become the cornerstone. Amen. I said the experts don't always have it figured out. They don't always know. They're not able always to grasp or to comprehend uh, just how great our God is and what our God is able to do. But there's some folks in this place that have a revelation of how great God is. Uh, There's some folks in this place that have an understanding of just how powerful God is. There's some people right here under the sound of my voice. You have a testimony that has came through for you that has worked things out in your life. Come on, why don't you lift up your hands and let's give him some praise. Praise God. Praise God. But in this this Bible story, and I'm really getting to where I want to preach here this morning tells us about this rock and it gives us the first clues of what Christ would be to you and I. That he would be a rock. Paul said, and that rock was Christ. Isaiah prophesied about it and Paul referred to it again in Romans chapter 9 and verse 33. Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone, a rock of offense. And whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Ephesians 2.20 tells us, And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Can you say he is our rock? How many understands that? How many knows and has proven that in a world with so much instability and an unstable political environment and shaky economy that that seems so spongy and shaky and shifty all the time? Can I tell you that we have a rock? I said we have a rock. I understand that that people are searching for something solid there. They're searching for something stable. They're, they're, they're searching for something that they can be founded upon and that is steadfast. I've come to preach to you that we, we have a rock. We have something that we can turn to when this world is, is shaking all around us and when this world seems so inconsistent and unstable. My Bible says about Jesus Christ, in Him there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. There's no inconsistencies in him. He's always the same. Glory to God. Amen. I could turn to him and know that he's always going to be there. And know that he's going to be consistent. Friends may fail me. Politicians may lie to me. Economy, it may may let me down also. But I could turn to Jesus. I know he's a rock. And he's solid. And he's stable. And he's consistent. And he's always going to be there. That rock is Christ Jesus. I said that rock is Christ Jesus. And we all need a rock. I said we all need a rock. 
You've heard people refer to certain people and they say, yeah, that's my rock. That's the person I can turn to. What they're saying is, is that person's been a faithful friend. That individual is somebody I can count on. They've been consistent. They've been proven through the years, their faithfulness. And they, they've proven through the years that, that they love me. And, and they've always offered me sound advice. And I've always been able to turn to them and receive bits of wisdom when it's needed. They're a rock in my life. I'm going to tell you, there's been a lot of people in my life that's been influential and they've been a blessing to me, but there's none of them that can compare to that rock Christ Jesus. When I needed someone to help me, I could turn to him. When I needed someone to be there for me, I knew I could call on him. When I needed someone to answer, I knew I could pray to him. That rock is Christ Jesus. And there's times in all of our lives that we need a rock. And I'm thankful that we could turn to him. Psalmist said in 18 and 2, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, and in whom I will trust my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my height. Tyler. And then in verse 20 or chapter 27 in verse 5, he says, For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. Amen. And my favorite is 61 and 2. From the end of the earth I will cry unto thee. It doesn't matter how far away you are. It doesn't matter what separates you right now from him. It doesn't matter what it seems like and how distant God seems from you. He said from the end of the earth, he said, I will cry unto thee. And when my heart is overwhelmed, he will lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And he will be a shelter unto me. I want to preach to somebody that we have a rock that we can turn to. When I need a rock, I know where to go. When I need something solid, I know where to run. When I need safety, I do know who to call on. That rock is Christ Jesus. We used to sing that song, When the earth all around me is sinking sand. On Christ, that solid rock, I'll stand. When I need a shelter. Anybody ever needed a shelter? When I need a friend, I'll go to the rock. Oh, are you thankful for the rock today? I said, aren't you thankful for something you can plant your feet on today? Aren't you thankful for something solid? It's like this a lot of times. Life is inconsistent. Life, it seems like it's up and down. It's, it's like the tide of the sea. But there is a rock that you can plant your feet on and say, though the tempest blows, though the storm may rage, though there may be problems surrounding me, I've got a rock to stand on. I've got a rock, amen, that I know is going to always be there. Again, let's throw our hands in the air and let's worship the Lord together. Come on, give praise to Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Matthew's gospel, Jesus talked about, he talked about two different individuals. One that built their home or their house upon the sand. Didn't take the time to make proper preparation. I remember several years ago, a friend of mine who didn't know a lot about construction was putting in a parking lot at his church. And instead of taking off the topsoil and making proper preparations, they just put the pavement on top of the topsoil. I mean, just right on top of the grass. Just put it out there. I don't know. Common sense would have told you not to do that, I think. But anyway, it wasn't long until there was ripples and it was unstable. And uh, consequently, it did not survive very long. A few cold winters and hot summers took its toll. But if you want something to last, you've got to get down to bedrock. I'll never forget one day being in Nashville, Tennessee, and, and watching one of those high-rises being built. And I looked down into that pit where they were, where they were digging down to limestone or bedrock, as they would call it. And it was there that they would start to build that skyscraper that would stand stories into the sky. And it had to be on the right foundation. And so Jesus is instructing. He's telling us and them of that day. In Matthew chapter 7, when you go to build, be wise enough not just to get in a hurry. Not, not just to do things quickly. Not just to impress, but uh, be sure that you take and dig down to the rock and build on something solid. He spoke about these two men, one building on sand and the other building his house upon the rock. And when the flood came, and you notice that the flood came to both of them, just because it was built upon the rock didn't mean that some way it excused the flood from coming. Or in some way they were allowed uh, to not have to go through and endure the flood. But the flood came to both of them. I like to romanticize this relationship with God and tell you that you'll never have to face the devil. That you'll never incur problems. And you'll never have challenges. And you'll never find difficulties in your relationship with God. But I wouldn't be telling you the truth. But the difference is, is when you're built on the rock, uh, when you're living for God, when you're serving Him, you have someone to turn to when the trouble comes. Amen. You, you have a shelter to run into. You have a sure place that you can turn to when the flood came. The Bible says that 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 was built on sand was washed away. But that one that was built upon the rock was able to stand the test of time. Praise God. I don't know about you. I'm not, in, I'm not interested just in people entering and, and becoming a part, but I'm interested in longevity. I want to see people still around the church if the Lord should tarry five years from now, and if the Lord should tarry 10 years from now, and if the Lord should tarry 15 or 20 years from now, still living for God, still being consistent, still doing what's right, still being faithful, still living holy, still doing what the Bible says, the only way that that can happen is you be introduced to the rock. The only way that that can happen is you to build upon the rock. The only way that that can take place is you find a solid place.
place to build your life. You find a stable place to build your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we all, we all need a rock. Because floods going to come. Trouble's going, wind's going to blow. Yes. Praise God. We all remember Katrina and how that, that uh, the levees down in New Orleans gave way and the flood came and there was nothing that they could possibly do to hold back the flood tide that came rushing in to that city that was almost like a bowl and uh, it just came flooding in there and, and homes were destroyed and lives taken. But if you go up the coast just a little ways, you'll see not the effects of flood but the effects of wind in the Biloxi and Gulfport area, there was houses that were literally leveled and only foundations left. Why? Because there was such strong force and there was strong wind. But when you build on the coast, you kind of expect those things. When you build where they built, you, you, you take that gamble. You take that risk. That's, that's just the way it is. If you live in that area and where you choose to build has a, a determination on what kind of things you can expect to experience. I, I want to tell you, if you build on the rock, you can expect to make it. If you give your life to God and you commit yourself to Him, you can expect to be here. Though the tempest rises against us and though there's, there's storms and though there's problems, we can know that we can make it through if we built in the right place and we built to survive the storm. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. But not only, not only do we need a rock, we need to understand something about it. The Bible said this is a rock that needed to be spoken to. In the book of Exodus, we find that Moses was instructed to take that rod and to smite it. And this was a type of Jesus being smitten at Calvary. And because this was a type, later on in the book of Numbers, when he needed water from that rock, the Bible says the Lord told him to speak to it. And he got angry with the people and their murmuring. And the scripture says that he smote the rock instead of speaking to it. And God was angry or wroth with Moses because of this. Because this rock, again, is a type of Christ Jesus. Can I tell you that the rock has already been smitten? He's already took the stripes for your healing. He's already took chastisement for your peace. He's already bore your grief and carried your sorrow. He doesn't have to pay a price anymore. The price has already been paid. Every time you end up in trouble, every time you need to access his mercy, every time you need his blood to cover you, he doesn't have to go back to the cross. He doesn't have to go back to Golgotha. He doesn't have to go back to Calvary. He's already paid the price. Can I tell you that the rock has already been smitten? All you got to do is speak to the rock. In other words, all you got to do is find an altar and 
and say, God, I need your help. I need your grace. I need your mercy. I need your forgiveness. Lord, I need your strength. I need you to help me and deliver me. The rock has been smitten. What he's waiting on is somebody to speak to him and say, God, I need you in my life again. I need your touch. I need your help. I need your empowerment. I need your strength in my life. Praise the Lord. That's why you got to understand, and I know I've been on it lately, but you need to understand the importance of prayer and a connection with God. Nobody else can do your talking for you or do your praying for you. Or if I could say it this way, nobody else can speak to the rock for you, but you've got to have a relationship with him yourself. You've got to know how to talk to him yourself. And it shouldn't be a sporadic relationship that you have with God that the only time you call his name is when you're in this sanctuary on Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Wednesday night. But you need to call on him in Monday night prayer meeting. You need to call on him on Tuesday morning. You need to say, God, direct my steps. Guide my path. Lord, I need your help. I need your wisdom. I need your understanding. I need your guidance. Somebody needs to speak to the rock. Somebody needs a relationship with the rock. Somebody needs to call on the rock. That rock is Christ Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, we can can access him. I said we can access him by calling on his name. I don't know if you've ever had the occasion, I'm sure you have. But there's been instances in my life I didn't have time I didn't have time to go into a long dialogue. Didn't have time to say a big, long King James prayer. Didn't have time to make sure all my English was correct. Many times all I could do when I spoke to the rock was just call his name. All I could do is just say, Jesus. The car is slipping out of control. And you cry, Jesus. The child has fever on his prow. And you cry, Jesus. You're suffering and you don't have the strength. You don't have the strength to make it to the altar, to the house of God, to make your petition known. But wherever you are in that hospital room, or wherever it may be, lying on the sick bed somewhere, you cry out, Jesus, I need you to help me. I need you to intervene for me. I need you to come through for me again. I'm telling you, he's a rock that you can speak to. He's a rock that you can call on. He's paid the price for your healing. He's paid the price for your salvation. He's paid the price that one that is troubled for peace in your mind and help. God has already paid the price. You can speak to him. You can speak to him. You can call on him. You can pray to the rock. And then the Bible says this morning says it's a rock that followed them 
I know I've already alluded to this. But Israel didn't always make good decisions. Israel didn't always do the right thing. Didn't always make the right choices. Israel didn't always please God. Matter of fact, there's many instances where they displeased him. Rebelled and disobeyed. Sometimes they didn't even do it unconsciously. They did it very consciously. They did it with understanding, knowing that they were displeasing God, but they were stubborn and self-willed. There was times even in that 40 years, a wilderness journey, that they made some bad choices and decisions. One thing that has always stood out to me is when Miriam spoke against Moses, the man of God, even though he was her brother. I'm going to tell you, it doesn't matter how close you get to the man of God, he's still a man of God. I said, he's still a man of God. And you always need to remember that. Because you don't want God angry with you. And so, she spoke against Moses on the choice of his marriage. And and the Bible says that she became leprous. And Aaron had a part in this. A man that was the very first anointed priest. He was put out of the camp. She was put out of the camp. And the Bible very explicitly says that the cloud that would guide them by day stood still. It didn't move. They didn't progress any further. What was it saying? It said, until they've rejoined, until they've been restored, we're not going to progress any further without them. That's just, to me, an example. Even back there in the day of of judgment and the day of law, when mercy hadn't had its chance and its opportunity. It's a foreshadowing of of the nature of God that He wants to save. He wants to help. He wants to give opportunity. He wants to give chance to somebody even though they may have made a bad choice and a decision. And so even though Israel made some bad choices and made some bad decisions... Bible says that that rock continued to follow them. It was there. He didn't give up on them. He didn't desert them. He didn't throw up his hands and say, hey, just let them all thirst to death. Just let them all shrivel up and die out here. I'm tired of their murmuring. I'm tired of their complaining. I'm tired of their desire to go back to Egypt or the world, as we would say. But the Bible says that rock kept on following them. In the wilderness. In other words, he was there. Should they ever turn and and need him, he was there. Should they ever call on him, he was there. Should they ever desire, get thirsty for it, he was there. Praise God. And the psalmist seems to pick up on this when he says, Surely goodness and mercy shall what? Follow me all the days of my life. 
Oh, and so shall I ever dwell in the house of the Lord. Amen. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. You talk about some bad choices and bad decisions, yeah. There were some bad decisions and bad choices on his part too. But mercy was there. Grace was there. Goodness was there. I'm here to preach to somebody. He said he would follow them. And he follows us. He's there for us. He wants to help us. It's a rock that follows. He follows somebody in this room today. He follows somebody in this sanctuary this morning. And what, what, was, what was that all about? I tell you, just hoping that somebody would come to an altar and somebody would give the heart to him and say, God, I repent. I repent. I repent. I need you in my life. I'm sorry for my sin. I need your forgiveness. It's a rock that follows. Aren't you thankful for the goodness and the mercy of God that follows, that helps us, that comes through when we so desperately need it? Would you stand with me here this morning? Israel took some wrong turns. They went the wrong way. But he never deserted them. He kept following them. I know there's a line of demarcation, and I'm not here to debate that at all. I understand that. I understand there's a point when your consciousness can become seared. I understand that iniquity can become so embedded in a person's heart that they justify their sin, and they don't even feel like it's wrong anymore. But for that person that is convicted and repents, there's a rock to turn to. There's a place to go. No matter how distant, I read it to you, the psalmist said, if I cry unto him from the ends of the earth, he will hear me. Paul said to those Athenians on Mars Hill, He said, that one that you don't understand and you call an unknown God. Can I tell you that I know who He is? And can I tell you that He's not far from any one of you? What are you saying, Paul? You're talking about heathens. You're talking about pagans. You're talking about people that had no concept of God. He's not far from any one of you. Because wherever there's a person that will open up their heart, wherever there's a person that will honestly and sincerely cry out to Him, they may be at the end of the earth. But He tilts His ear because the Bible says that His ear is not heavy nor is His hand short to reach where we are. Praise God. Praise God. Would you pray with me right now? Let's, let's reach out to God. Let's reach out to God. It's a rock that follows. Hallelujah. I said he's a rock that follows.
He's followed some of you through your treachery and through your, your bad times and your bad years and your wasted years. He's followed some through your rebellious times and your times of being hard-hearted. Your times of pushing him away and saying, I don't need you. He just kept following. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. He never gave up. He never quit. He never stopped. And you're here this morning because of the mercy of Almighty God. I'm going to tell you, when you consider His mercy, it's not hard to praise the Lord. It's not hard to be thankful this morning. People that don't worship God, they don't have much of a concept of how merciful God is. But when you understand how merciful and how gracious and how kind, long-suffering He's been, it ought to make hot tears bathe your cheeks. And your hands ought to, ought to reach towards the heavens and say, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, I wonder if you couldn't feel that nudge this morning to come down to this altar and say, God, I thank you. I thank you, God, that you've always been there, that you've always been there, that you've always been there. God, that I could call on you, I could reach out to you, and I could speak to you and know that you would hear me and you would respond to me and I could always access you. So somebody wants to come and gather at the rock this morning. Is there somebody that needs a miracle? Is there somebody that needs help? You need His touch all over again in your life. Hallelujah. Come on, let's, let's gather. Hallelujah, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I need your grace. I need your hand. Thank you, Jesus.